In this episode, we will be using BattleBards sound effects. Check them out, battlebards.com. And if you're signing up for a Prime account, be sure to use our code STACK to get a discount. Mindless in Windhold As Tira, Bash, and Farron stand on the mountainside to collect their thoughts after a tough battle, a gentle twitch at the edge of our vision makes us turn quickly. There, among the needle-soft darkness under the evergreen trees, we see a scintillating golden twirl of residual magic, the remnants of the gate that brought them here across vast miles. It writhes in the chill spring morning breeze like powdery snow, and the diamond glint of sparkling light gives a sense of solidity to what is otherwise a form completely without substance. A chance shift in the fading magic causes it to wrap around our legs, and before we know it, we're yanked backward, flying a reverse course, leaving our friends to skim eastward, leaving the mountains and heading back over the gray waters of the Great White Sea, over wave-cradled fishing boats on which salt-crusted sailors strain to haul in the dark ropes of heavy nets that hit wetly against the frost of the hull. For miles around, the vast expanse of the sea makes them appear even smaller than they actually are. The inexorable pull of the magic gives us no time to pause, however, the world blurs as we enter heavy gray clouds. Ten seconds, and hundreds of miles further on, we descend. The magic releases its grip gradually, letting us fall gently, first through snow in the high reaches of Vontide's mountains, and then, in the warmer regions, through rain, until at last we see a familiar place below. It's Windhold, first home of the Dwarves of Skyhome. The neatly arranged streets and public areas grow larger as we descend, their rain-washed stone gleaming in the half-light of a typical spring morning in the mountains of this rugged country. Our feet touch down with a light slap on the smooth stones, and the final touch of the departing magic slips away, taking with it a welcome sense of warmth. The day is raw and wet. From where we are, the straight streets run squarely to the cardinal directions, North, south, east, west, terminating eventually at the heavy stone wall that encircles all but the northern chasmward side of the small city. Buildings of square-edged white stone stand as testaments to dwarven skill and craft. Through the leaded windows comes candlelight, and from a hundred concealed chimneys rises the smell of wood smoke as those inside push the chill of the day from their chambers. A gurgling sound along the street marks where the covered gutters direct the flow of runoff toward the chasm behind the first home to tumble into the thundering spray of the river far below. The doors facing the empty streets are made of metal-studded oak and have been painted with black and white chevrons. The broad stripes look striking against the relative gloom of the day. Oddly enough, the door closest to us stands slightly ajar, so we slip inside to rid ourselves of the searching trickle of mountain rain. The change is immediate and complete. Where the exterior was uniform and clean, the building's interior is remarkably comfortable. From an inner chamber, we hear the merry crackle of firewood as it spits and hisses in the grate. A quick waft of cinnamon and a clink of a cup on a saucer indicates that someone is brewing a hot drink. The rain's dampness a few short feet away is a swiftly fading memory and our rising spirits allow us to take in the look of the place a bit more carefully. The rooms around us are paneled with honey-gold wood. The varnished whorls and knots of the rich grain 
catch and amplify the light of flames large and small in the rooms, making it feel even cozier. Our fingers, drawn to touch the warm wood, note the presence of small carvings in the paneling. The dwarves have carved runes of blessing everywhere, calling forth happiness, health, and plenty on the home. Mantles in the rooms we move through have been crafted with great skill, so that faces drawn from the patterns in the timber peer at us with interest. Their protective eyes cover every corner of the room, a reminder of previous generations watching over the family. As a final touch, and a sign of the coming warmer weather, bundles of cut grass from the nearby meadows add a splash of green and the fresh smell of the outdoors to help drive out the cold. It's remarkably homey and infinitely comfortable. Then from upstairs comes a distant sound, a short murmur that dribbles off. We move to the stairs in the entry and move up their thick oaken treads to the next level, where a bedroom door is also slightly open. Inside, tucked into a puffy feather comforter, is a twitching figure. Another smaller hearth is crackling in this room, its red light glowing dimly against the drawn curtains. We approach through the gentle gloom and find that the head on the pillow is that of Enderil. He murmurs again, although if there is any meaning in what he utters, it's completely unintelligible. Drool runs from his slack mouth, staining the covers, and his eyes seem clouded and unfocused as they stare upward at the shadowy corners of the ceiling, as if searching for answers to questions that haven't been asked. We lean in to try to make sense of his stirrings, drawn closer by the evident worry in the deep lines of his face. As we do, a tumble of music fills the room, and the red light of the fire is briefly overcome by the returning golden glow of active magic. With a lurch, we find ourselves tumbling into Enderil's head. Mists swarm about us as we fall. Dark shapes loom in the thickest reaches, lurking ominously. Our feet squelch at last into a swampy tangle of briars and sagging weeds. For a long, long moment, all is still. Then, from somewhere nearby, we hear an ominous humming. From off to our left, a deep purple glow ebbs and flows through the fog. We slog through the muck, feeling the thick mud clutching at our legs, threatening to pull off our shoes and mire us forever in this horrible place. With an effort, we press on toward the hum. Coming over one last rise, we see at last a strange sight. A cage of wavering purple lines. It pulses sickeningly, the woven lines obviously magical. The concentration of magic here makes our hair stand on end. From the surrounding fog, the dark shapes crowd around, intent on watching our moves. Looking more closely at the tight bars of the cage, we see something moving beneath it. Through the pulsing lattice, white light shines weakly. Its rays are strangled as it tries to push through. We're uncertain what to make of this, when suddenly something inside the cage shifts. It's subtle, but as comprehension begins to dawn, we're aware that there are tiny figures moving. Peering more closely, it becomes evident that we're looking at past scenes playing out. We have found Enderil's memory, his intellect, locked in a prison within his own mind. Through the bonds, a noble stag wanders through ancient forests, a large green stone swinging silently from the great beast's throat. Birds of the trees settle peacefully in the iron antlers, drowsing as the stag paces in stately fashion through the moss-covered trees. The bars pulse, and the scene changes. 
Tira, Bash, and Peter stand before the stag, their faces white with awe and their eyes large with wonder in silver moonlight. Pulse. The stag views the friends from a distant hilltop, watching as they make their way across the broad moors of Moraga. He bows his head wearily when the dusk swallows them. Pulse. A mountain village. Two figures riding in from the west, one a giant, the other masked like a plague doctor. Tira, Bash, Peter, looking small and weak in comparison. So very weak. So pitiful. Too soon. Not yet. Not yet. The stag must act. The green stone flares. A silent silver flash. The world implodes. Pulse. They're stronger. They're capable. Hope is awakening. Wait. These aren't memories. We're hearing faintly whispered words, but they're still quiet as imagined whispers. Are the purple bars losing their deep color? Pulse. Grass. Tall, waving, starlight, weariness, head drooping. It's tiring to pace, but necessary. A fracture, pounding footsteps on heavy earth, a lone figure, Wamberbash, breathless. Distant shouts, grass parting, Tira emerges, Wamberbash, beneath a tree, exhausted. Urgent words, scared. Must continue, but how? Time to intervene. Dredging memory for the potion to free the mind of itself. Wamberbash calm. Back to the iron tomb. Pulse. A man's form. Legs feel strange after going so long on hooves. Stone's green glow, constant. Sense of foreboding. Rain coming. Lightning will fall with terrible accuracy. Loss. Pain. Sadness. A churned and muddy field. Bodies. Bodies everywhere. Groans. Screams. Weeping. Tira and Wamberbash. Heads bowed. Peter. Mud-stained. Blood-stained. Still. Victory and defeat in the same moment. Enter Farron. Pulse. Disturbance. Death. Decay. A power rising. Sickness spreading. Rot in the limbs, ground trembling, dead rising. Animals, old companions, friends, rise from leafy rest to walk once more on stiff legs. A winged figure walks, arms outstretched, and dead rise. Peter torn from the earth. Pulse. A dull metal mask. White eye, black eye, impassive, evil. Menacing. Deadly. Pulse. A familiar hand strokes the stag's neck. The stag bows, gentle eyes meeting those of a friend. Understanding. A flash of purple and then darkness. Betrayal. No. No. No! Resist. Push! The stag gathers its legs beneath itself. The broad chest swells with anticipation of the coming effort. The antlers wedge into the fabric of the cage, iron-gray dull against vibrant purple. A twist here, the strong back pressing there, strain, pain, torment, pulse, strain, pain, torment, pulse. Come, Enderil. Enderil? Yes, I am Enderil. 
Deor, Iron Stag. Pulse. Sounds of exertion sound more strongly from within the cage. They're more distinct now, like the shapes of memories past. It's a desperate fight now. Pulse. A cry of man and animal mixed. Pain, sorrow, anger, joy. Pulse. Pulse. It comes faster now. Pulse. Boom. White light flares, pushing against the purple restraints. The bars try to tighten, are sucked in before being pushed violently backward. They strain against the force, glow at the interstices, then shatter outward. We duck instinctively in the blinding glare, but the shards move at dream speed, and we have time to duck backward. Another swirl of golden magic wraps us, draws us safely through the waning mists. From the place where the cage stood, there is a white flash that destroys the mist once and for all. Its warmth could scorch us if it caught us, but we're gathering speed, and now return to the silence of the fire-dark room, just as a dull boom echoes through the mountaintops above Skyhome, and through the window of the room where we stand. We part the curtains to see a purple streak climb through heavy clouds, and then all is silent once more. Anderil lies still in the bed. His mouth is closed now, his eyes too. A slow, spreading smile touches his face. Some of the deepest lines drop away. His breathing is measured and full. His stomach growls loudly. Footsteps sound on the stairs, and we panic momentarily. Who are we to be caught in someone else's house? But we're drawn through the curtained window. We share one last fleeting glimpse of a concerned dwarf rushing into the room, setting down a hot spiced drink to feel Enderil's forehead, and then we're off, hurtling over mountains and sea once more to stand back with Tira, Bash, and Farron 